welcome back to Behind the Frost. It's a theatre podcast all about the real lives of the people who make it. Series 2, Episode 9 stars the incredible, world-renowned choreographer Bill Deemer. We talk all about his beginnings in the theatre world, training at Guildford, how a coffee with Gillian Lynn led to him becoming one of the West End's leading creatives. Working on incredible productions such as Follies, Top Hat and many more. And Bill gives his top pieces of advice to up-and-coming performers. Enjoy! It's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, it's just another world for everyone. Um, the dreaded lockdown day, I was in the middle of rehearsing The Boyfriend, which was going to Canada. And um, I was getting ready to go in and meet Kelsey Grammer. And uh, we never got to meet. The virus stopped it all. It was cool. Yeah, before that morning, before I even got to rehearsals, you know. And uh, in, in a day, I'd lost five productions. But you have to just, as Astaire says, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and start all over again. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it was then I realised how serious it was. I mean, it's it's a serious business, what's going on. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, 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 I don't really want to get into politics, but I do think that our profession has been left behind. I think the government have totally forgotten us. Um, I, so, and that's very sad. I think it'll be interesting to see what the government do to help the industry as a whole. Um, I've chatted to somebody else on the podcast talking about, you know, a lot of theatres rely on particularly Christmas time for whatever Christmas events, whether it's pantomime or Christmas shows. And, you know, certain local theatres may, well, they are going to struggle without that. Without question. Without question, it's, I mean, the panto season now, the pantomime season here is huge mm. now, you know, and um, let's see, please God, by then we can actually start getting back to some kind of normality. I mean, it's very wish, wishful thinking, but, mm. you know, that's what producers want, you know. Obviously, these theatres just sitting there dark is just crazy, you know, and in the end... It all comes round to everyone needs entertainment. Everyone needs theatre. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant that, you know, people are, you know, keeping going. Um, but, you know, we miss it. We all miss it terribly. It's you know, it, it's part of our hearts, isn't it? You know, and, and I, I, I imagine that you probably get itchy feet even just kind of thinking about all of those ideas that you had for the five shows that you were working on. It's, um, it's, it's interesting to see how it kind of feels like an anti, almost like an anti-climax. And um, I was chatting to Gareth Valentine and he was saying, you know, he was, um, he was in the middle of um, getting ready for City of Angels and for everything to just drop like that is uh, really hits you hard. Absolutely. Well, um, I've got a version of Saturday Night Fever that opened in Bromley mm. and it opened on the Wednesday and it's pulled on the Saturday. Oh. Yeah, so the whole tour, yeah, that was the famous week. It's just heartbreaking. And of course, um, I'm working on this new production of Hello Dolly, 
Hmm. With a Mel- starring Imelda Staunton for the West End, directed by Dominic Cook. And um, it will happen. It will happen. But it's when. You yeah. know, we have Michael Harrison, wonderful producer, and we're all set to go. But it's so weird because I've had so much time here in my studio working on it. I'm ready to go. I'm like a greyhound, ready to come out with slips and run. Um, and it, it, so I've got to the point now where it's actually frustrating because I can't go any further. Mm. You know, um, so, but that's something to look forward to. Uh, and I'm, you have to. You have to, your glass is half full, it's not half empty. You have to look forward because otherwise we'd all go crazy. So talk to me about where it it all began for you, Bill. Uh, I mean, there is such an incredible catalogue of uh, of work that is, you already have. Um, Where did it all start? It started um, when I was eight years old and my my two sisters, they were going to a dance class and I, I went along with my mum to pick them up and I watched and it just clicked. Um, and then, so I did dance classes. And then when I was in, uh, in my um, secondary modern senior school, um, I was in my third year and I, uh, the, the drama department asked me to be in a play, The Miser by Moliere. And I played Cleont, the miser's son. And that was it, I knew. I just knew that's what I needed to do. And um, I went to a preparatory drama school and did a teacher's degree. And then I went to Guildford and the rest. And it, it just, it just happened. I was very lucky. I had amazing parents who backed me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it just happened from there. I had the most amazing training. Um, uh, Guildford was a fantastic school, fantastic school, and people were treated treated as individuals. And I even I knew even then, as a performer, that I would go into the creative side. I just knew it, you know. And uh, at the end of my first year, I, I, I did a student production of Greece. <laughs> I hold my hands up in horror now, thinking really how it all started. Yeah. Um, you know, then left drama school, you know, did did lots of work and then met the amazing Gillian Lynn, uh, who was my mentor. Hmm. Uh, I did uh, a production of Cabaret with her in the West End uh, in 86. Right. Um, and we were in rehearsals and she said to me, uh, let's have a coffee. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> The legs are not high enough, or I'm off a pirouette. And she said to me, you're actually a creative, Bill. She said, you're great at what you do. She said, but I see how your mind works. And how lucky was I that someone took the time, someone as wonderful as Gillian took the time to say that, mm. you know? And I, you know, I've done a lot of uh, Q&As with students. I've got quite a lot coming up as well. And it's really important for people who, with experience that talked that we talk to students and help them along because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. Yeah, we we, we talk about um, fortunate events or fortunate meetings that you, you find along the way, whether it's a, a certain teacher who just knew the right way to say something to you or there was a certain piece that you watched. When you were kind of um, in, before you went to Guildford, was there any one person that was particularly encouraging and said, Bill, you've got to, you've got to do this for a living? 
Um, yes, there was it, uh, my preparatory uh, drama school. There was a lady who last uh, passed away last year. God rest her soul. A lady called Thelma Tulaney, and um, she was the head of the group uh, that I was um, where I was studying. And uh, she did. She pushed me, um, and she pushed me in the right direction. Um, she was trained at the Guildhall, so she had very good training. Mm. So she knew how to teach, and that's what it's about. It's about good training. Um, and so she influenced me greatly. Um, uh, my parents, were, you know, were, were, were a big influence as well. They were such a support. Yeah. And um, I think it's because of them that I was always, I was never, I've never been a copier. I cannot copy. <laughs> no. And I was always taught to be myself you know, and take it or leave it. You know, and I think sometimes that has probably been detrimental to me because I, I'm not a yes man. Mm. I will say yes if I mean it. That sounds so arrogant. It's not meant to be. If when you're working on a project, you have to have a vision and a belief yourself that you can share with other people. It's the know? it's, it's the creative mindset, as you were saying. You know, it's that knowing that something looks right, or you you see the vision of how it goes going forward. In terms of how you feel, um, compared to being a performer, what kind of rush, what is, what is the difference in the rush that you get as a creative? The rush is when it clicks, um, it's funny because when it clicks, I get a rush and say to myself, my God, I want to be in that. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and that, that's, actually, that's actually the telltale sign for me. You know, you're always, you, you, you know, you're never 100% satisfied. There's always, oh, I could do that. But sometimes, there was a couple of times, there was one time last year, a uh, uh, year before actually in Follies, where I actually went, do you know, that's just about where it needs to be. And I, my associate looked at me and said to say, did you really say that? If you're never satisfied. <laughs> um, but that's good. You always want more and you're always looking at it from, you know, from a different angle but yeah that's the buzz you get yeah i want to be in that mm. you've you've worked both as a, a director a choreographer a director choreographer how important is collaboration with other aspects of the uh the process for you one million percent so important it's a team effort it's led by the director of course and um but it's a team effort and a good director will allow a choreographer to do his job. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, I've been fortunate with shows like Top Hat and indeed Follies. I think, you know, I have to mention Dominic Cook because it was a match made in heaven. Mm. Um, he has such vision, but he allows you to join with him in that vision. It's quite extraordinary to work with him. Um, Follies was just the most incredible artistic experience. In fact, the hairs go up on my neck even talking about it now. <laughs> um, it's just from the word go. I mean, I didn't sit down because the show, I, I don't know if you saw it, it was on a revolve. Yes, it yes. So it was staged from start to finish, you know, and that's a tall order. And I, I, I choreographed right through to the end of previews because wherever you sat in the Olivier uh, Auditorium, the show was different. You could yeah. see different parts. All the underscore was choreographed. Um, and that, 
a lot of that's a lot of staging choreography yeah. but um we were at one the whole time um and that is a i really hold that really dear to me uh, it's very special you know and of course i'm looking forward to repeating that in hello Dog. of course uh, is there a certain uh, characteristic of a performer that really makes you think yes you're right for the process that i i like to be involved in are there certain kind of signs yeah, yeah there are um dancers now have to be triple threats for, for what i do they have to have a technique because without a technique a good strong technique you you can't take on a style and i'm a style merchant and mm. also dancers can copy a style yeah and take on a style but they have to be in a musical now you can't just imitate you have to be in that period you know and i insist on it i insist on it mm. you know go in follies all those ladies could move and move with style all those ladies of a certain age could move with style because otherwise to me it makes no sense it's a show about follies ladies yes. who dance you know they don't just stand up and give their number and do do their big turn and and let you, and i just found that and and again dominic went with with me on that and that i you know but dance wise going back to dancers yes they have to have a technique and take on the style but it's then taking that style and making it real mm. you know um if a dancer over exit and pushes too hard i'm not interested you know it's really hard but then you know it's an intricate and it's a very very um very precise artful mm. musical theater you know the day of jazz hands has gone it really has i think the importance of truth in everything you do Absolutely. you know we talk about it through acting through song in song workshop but bill i know that both of us have, have taught both at um, brighton and at arts ed and and Absolutely. that's the thing which is channeled so importantly now in the way you move in you have to be comfortable with your body to find the truth as well so just in a slightly similar question if someone's coming in to audition for you for the first time what are the what would be your key bits of advice um to to having a positive experience it's it's a very difficult one because of course nerves take hold straight you've got one chance to get in there you have to know your music backwards sideways front ways yeah uh, and always have a couple of songs ready mm. because if the song's not right yeah and you have to if you comment on a song at an audition yeah you're doing musical theater old fashioned you have to actually perform it's like an acting piece mm. you know and i can tell it in the first in the intro of the song i go oh, here we go because what you do i i call it the fake sincerity hands <laughs> you know, gestures start and you think well, what was that all about you know just tell me a story you know and many times uh good um singer actors dancers triple threats um you i've seen it at so many auditions either myself or dominic will sit him in a chair and say right sing the song again just tell me, just talk to me tell me a story yeah. and then you can see them what where how the brains working you know but as soon as you start to comment on it 
it, we've, we've moved on and very swiftly we've moved on. Would you say that the end product or the process is the thing which is uh, most memorable to you going forward? And no process in any musical is the same. Hmm. You have guidelines, but because the story is different and the music's different, so it dictates the way you go. Um, you know, I think the hardest part of any process in a musical is the auditions. I really do. I am exhausted at the end of the auditions because I want them to be good. You want them to be good. Mm. Um, and very often they are. Yeah. You know, but so it's sadly sometimes you see people who just don't don't get what they're saying. And you know, and there are so many now, you know, and that's why training again is so important. There are a lot more drama schools and a, a, a lot more um, institutions now um, where musical theatre is uh, being uh, educated or, or, or trained. Um, what would you say if there is, is somebody listening who is looking for a school that is right for them? What would you say are the, the, the big things to look out for? Well, you've got to go to a school where you feel comfortable. Um, where you think they can give you what you're looking for. Yeah. Don't go to school just because um, Joe Bloggs went there and they're very good. <laughs> you cannot do that. I've seen it. You cannot do that because what, what's right for one person isn't right for another. Hmm. You know, um, and there are enough good drama schools now to, you know, go around and, and, and try, you know. I mean, but then again, there are so many people now trying to get in and so many people who believe, a lot of them fall by the wayside because they can't believe how difficult it is. Mm. You know, it's a hard profession. The sacrifices one has to make. I was talking to students about this last week and I have no idea yet, and it's not being patronising or arrogant, you've got to prepare for that. You've mm. got to be strong, mm. you know. And a lot of schools... Uh, you know, they cater for all different types, but you've got to feel comfortable in how the school is run, how it works, is that going to work for me? Um, and so you really have to do your homework. And all the good drama schools now, they, 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 you know, they give it, they put it out there, this is how we do it, this is how we work, and you know from the audition process whether you're right for it, you really do. Mm. You know, don't kid yourself at an early age because... You know, you're playing with your life. Yeah, it's a great what point. What you want to do. Is there a, a show that you have worked on in the process which you have adored, but maybe, uh, not throwing anything under the bus, but maybe hasn't been as successful as you would have imagined? And it was it was one of those things where you had it in the room, you loved it, and then it kind of, when it got out to an audience, it didn't have the same effect? There was a show I did years ago that I directed and choreographed, which wasn't rocket science. Hmm. It really wasn't. And it was a show called Shout. Yes. And it was all amazing 60s diva music songs. And um, it cleaned up on tour. And it was a touring show. It was, it was, the plot was so thin, it would blow away. It was, you know. <laughs> um, and... The producers, against my advice, and one producer, who I'm now working with's advice, decided to bring it into London, you know. 
and it, the critiques, they, it was judged like against Les Mis right. in fiction. And although it packed them in, you know, it didn't run. And I always felt, I just felt, why don't you just keep that on the road? It, it was literally selling out on the road. It was just a pure fun piece with the most amazing numbers that I'd not really, you know, I didn't know them that well. Um, and that was one that it needed a different, it needed a different book writer, but it was actually a compilation show and compilation shows don't work well in London anyway. Hmm. You know, um, how dare we just be entertained? <laughs> I was going to say, what, what would you say are the key differences to audience reactions on tour compared to, compared to in town for you? Well, I think that the touring productions, people are going to be entertained and enjoy. Mm. In London, there's a certain amount of that, but everyone's going to actually, what are we going to see here in London? You know, it, it, the, the stakes are a lot higher. Yeah. Should we, uh, more critical minds. That doesn't, that doesn't, um, that's nothing against any of the touring venues. I think they're fantastic, you know, and uh, I think it's lovely. What Top Hat, when we, when, we, when we finished in London, we did a tour and absolutely cleaned up. Hmm. And the reaction was just incredible. You know, so, and I think it's lovely hmm. that, that these shows now, I think the touring circuit is very valid now, more, much more than it ever was, hmm. you know. And it's it's big business. Oh, that's, huge. That's, I know. It's not just the West End, which of course is amazing. Hmm. Oh God, well, we all love to be back there now. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favourite house in the West End? I have a couple, really. I mean, the Palladium is extraordinary. When we redid Cats there in 212, mm. um, it, it was, it's just, it just understands an audience. It just, it's just, it's wonderful. It really is in every way. Um, the Palladium, um, I also... I have a great, a great love for the Olivier Theatre mm. um, because it is so, so actor friendly. Everything you need to do, you can do. Yes, it's, it's just yeah. wonderful. You know, uh, and, and we should all be very proud of our National Theatre because it is so wonderful for creatives and actors alike. You are, you are nurtured. You are looked after, and. Anything you want to do, they will go with it. They support you all the way. And the stage, I mean, can you imagine that huge revolving follies? Mm. It could have been an absolute nightmare. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. I was allowed to actually create on it. Mm. You know? And you can only do it by doing it. So much you can do with a party Susan spinning round at home <laughs> with paper clips on it. You don't have a revolve in your studio. No. <laughs> now, are there... I'd love one. <laughs> are there uh, any shows that, you know, uh, iconic shows that you wish you'd been the first person to get your hands on it? So, I, I you know, I look at things like um, uh, Crazy For You and, and the producers with Susan Stroman and she was, you know, the fortunate to be the the original creative is there a show that you wish you'd had the first opportunity at yeah dream girls absolutely adored 
it's just so the music is outrageously wonderful mm. and uh, it's 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 a style icon it's there the style in it is just glorious mm. you know? uh, so yeah that dreamgirls with that question <laughs> and uh, a bit of a desert island disc question you can um take to a desert island uh one cast recording and one album which is completely different something completely different uh what would they be um uh, cast album would be west side story the original version mm. genius. it's just genius every song still now moves me you know, and it's lovely that it's now been given new life and people are breathing new life in it, which I can't wait to see. Um, so that would be my, that would be my show. Um, I think something totally different. Um, probably um, there's a wonderful um, compilation of Glenn Miller mm. band sounds. And I find big band sound, they lift me. They really do. If I'm a bit down, I just put them on and hear that swing, that swing band sound. In fact, the hair's go off on my neck now. There's just something that it does for me. They're just wonderful, wonderful pieces of music that excite me. So that, that would be the two, a, a Glenn Miller composition, yeah. I remember there's been a, a few musical versions of the Glenn Miller story. And I uh, I remember once auditioning for, I think it was called In The Mood at the time. And um, it was an active musician show and we ha all had to play. And it was at the, uh, the auditions were at the Duke of York's. And I get that. I get that feeling of when you hear that brass and the whole orchestra come together, it's incredibly uplifting. And um, it's kind of... It, it, it must be uh, good to choreograph as well to music like that. Oh, absolutely. And of course, Glenn, had, he had a very specific way of using the woodwind mm. and uh, the uh, jumping the octave for the saxophones and the clarinet. Very, very clever. And it's, that's what gives it that original sound. Um, but they are wonderful songs to choreograph, uh, you know, and to, and to tap dance to as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, there, there hasn't really been a, a the film, obviously, of Gremlin is great, and but it, it's a show that I think is still waiting to be waiting to be created mm. about. You know, it's like when I did Top Hat, and Kenny Wax asked me, he said, "We're going to do a production of Top Hat," and I laughed <laughs> because I've been asked so many times, and you know, all all respect and hats off to. Kenny Wax because he did it the right way. I said, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it properly. Um, <laughs> got absolutely. Yeah. The Again, the team. It was you know Hildegard Bechler and John Morrell uh, designing costumes and set. It was just incredible. Chris Walker doing the arrangements and Matt White and myself. And uh, yeah, and that's how you do a musical and put it on properly. Yeah. That's when you're again. It, we we kept the period of it. I mean, it actually breathes in that period. You can't comment on these periods. It's nonsense. If if I was to uh, ask you the very unfair question of the of the musical that you uh, are most proud of, would would Top Hat be up there, or is it too difficult a choice? Yeah. Uh, 
Top hat and follies, obviously, are the top two. Um, uh, Their highlights in the career. Um, there are others. I did a, a production of Anything Goes in Copenhagen mm. um, about five years ago, which was sensational. And that had five revolves. Wow. On stage for the whole <laughs> boat. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. Uh, budget. I hear producers say budget. <laughs> so um, you're a you're a very very busy uh, creative, and for for a lot of us, and I'm sure for you as well, there 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 are times where where things can be quiet. Um, how do you cope with um, being out of the rehearsal room? Is it just a case of thinking about other ways to be creative or do you have to put a different hat on as it were well i've been working and working away at um hello dolly because i was fortunate enough to have all the meeting i had a big design meeting the week before lockdown Mm. so i'd seen all the designs which are extraordinary yeah absolutely and um so i've been working on that and if if i get a bit Board, which is rare because I, I, I live in the country, so I can go out for walks and what have you. Nice. So I just put I just put one of the, the routines on, but I have to be careful because you know I'm going down a, we're going down a new road with the show. Yeah. You know, it, the show it doesn't it ain't broke. You ain't got to fix it, <laughs> but it's nice to offer different ways of, of dancing and what have you, which we're going to do. Um, so I do that. I'm also working on a couple of other projects and a film. For, uh, for well, it, well, it was going to be next year, but who knows mm. now whether it'll be delayed even more. There's always something, you you know, to do. Um, but sometimes I could kick myself because what I do, I don't, I'll go for a long walk mm. and enjoy that, and I'll come back and, and I'll chill, and it's all fine. Then I'll get into bed and I go, I know what I could do, and then I'm up. <laughs> Write an idea, the idea down, yeah. you know, and then, then you wake up in the morning exact, exhausted because, yeah, I've always got a, a sticker pad, a large sticker pad by my bed, and I do wake up and go, I know what I could do. It, it's because you, you know, the mind never really switches off, and it should. I was going to say, you know, after shows, it, it's it's one of those things, and I get it as well. I find it very difficult to switch off, and I think it's it's when you care so much about what you do and you want to find ways of it's the fine detail the fine tuning of fixing things that um it's kind of a hard voice to switch off in your head it is absolutely it's, it's a difficult one um there was there was a moment in follies when we did the cast change mm. and dominic insisted we weren't just going to redo the show we did before and we didn't we relooked at the whole piece and the the big mirror routine changed quite considerably uh, and rightly so. And um, we, uh, in the middle of the, the routine, there was a section which was changed. Well, in choreography, it's like a speech. If you take a chunk out of a speech, you've got to bridge it. You can't yes. cut and paste. And it took me, that's where the Party Susan turning table came in. <laughs> I couldn't get this. It was literally 16 bars to link. And I couldn't find it. And um, I went over to Ikea and I bought this wooden party Susan. <laughs> <think I'm> <laughs> some coloured 
paper clips and I sat there till four or five in the morning turning it and moving. Each, each girl was a different colour. And I went in the next day and we were in previews and Dominic wasn't available. So I, I had the afternoon to myself. Well, I had to retime the revolve and that's where oh the national yeah. they were stuck with me and i got it i finally found it and we were watching the show that night and dominic arrived and it got to the point and i hadn't told him oh, oh no went, oh my god you've done it, you've done it. <laughs> I did it. yeah you know so therefore you never stop you, you know the whole time you're fine-tuning and making things work mm. You as run, you've got to you've got to maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. As well as choreographing for theatre, you you also choreograph for television and film, and obviously a, a lot of your pieces people might be familiar with from uh, the likes of Strictly Come Dancing. How different a beast is it to uh, develop the choreography for BBC Prime Time? It's another world. It's a wonderful <laughs> world. Strictly is an amazing, brilliantly produced machine. Um, and every year they up their game and they reinvent and they take it somewhere else. Um, and the thing with TV is you have to know what the cameras are doing. You have to know the team. You've got a great camera director, the wardrobe uh, and the, the band. Everything is, it's the best. It's the best. It's just stunning and brilliant to work with. And indeed, the professional dancers, they're amazing. No one realises. They really don't how hard mm. they work. They never stop. And so, but you get, you have a Monday rehearsal for three hours. You have a Tuesday rehearsal for three hours. This is for one routine. Mm. Uh, that, that may be a Charleston, um, uh, say a Charleston. And then you Wednesday they're left on their own to learn and to, to to get it all in and tidy. Thursday you do a rehearsal in the studio. Friday you do a camera angles rehearsal. Saturday you dress rehearsal and do it in front of twelve million people. That's yeah. And so you've got to know your stuff. And things can change. But if you are going to change it, you've got to be aware that your celebrity is not a professional dancer. Yes. So you've got, to be, you've got to know what you're doing. But normally, you know, because communication is so good, you're normally fine. The group numbers, I mean, I've been doing the group musical number now for 11 years. Wow. And I did the big Hello Dolly routine with Craig last year. Um, and normally what happens is uh, towards the end of May, you discuss what you're going to do and then in end of July August you it's choreographed I set it all with the pro dancers and it's and then everyone's on board with costume lighting and what have you and then you have a on the actual week that it's going to be on you have on the Monday at eight in the morning normally in the studio freezing cold in November um, you go in and you actually space it all and basically, you have to reteach a lot of it because, you know, that's such a, you know, a time. They mm. call it a refresher, but it's not a lot. They can't. It's impossible after all the years. There's so much. And then on you go. And you do, the, you do that on the Monday. And then you're in the studio on the Friday, camera angles, clean. And then on the Saturday, you do it. Mm. Um, and that's tough. 
and they really work because uh, ballroom and Latin dancers, they have great rhythm and great style, but musicals is another world to mm. them. But you know what? They just grasp it and they do it. And that's why they work, those numbers. Yeah. They really work. That's why they're back year after year as, as performers there as well, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. And of course, now we use the, the judges in the routines, which I first did when I did the Mamma Mia musical mm. a week. Um, and uh, it works a dream. It's, and it is, and it does sound cliche, but it's one big family. When you get there, you're welcomed. And how are you? And everyone <laughs> picks up where they've left off. And that's really true. And they really want to know. It's one big family. And I, I think if it wasn't that, it would never be the success it is now. Mm. I really, you know, everyone, everyone's rooting for everyone else. Yeah. Um, and again, the production side of it is the best in the world. It really is. And for me to say that, yeah, just a, it's, it's a joy to do. Lord knows what's going to happen this year. Please, God, we're going to be further forward so things can, mm. something will happen, whatever, and they will put something together, you know. But what that is, who knows? We've talked about a lot of the positives of, of working in the theatre world. If I could give you a magic wand to change one thing, just one thing, uh, what would you change? I would change, and this is a political statement, and I'm not political, but I would change the, the government's outlook on our profession. Mm. Because um, we are overlooked. We're not a charity. We are the most amazing profession in the world. And we should be actually looked after and judged mm. accordingly. Um, yeah. And we're not. We simply are not. I never, ever get on my political high horse. But <laughs> I've sat back and watched things and just thought, gosh, it's crazy. Because in the end, everyone's going to come to our profession because it's what pushes us forward. It gives, it gives the country a drive. It does. Right? It gives you meaning. I, I, I forget, I paraphrase the Winston Churchill quote, but it's without art, you know, what are we as people? Um, There's no point. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. Do you are you happy for me to uh, talk about Kylie? Absolutely. Tell me I, about how much of a joy it is working with Kylie. Kylie's sort of like she's part of my life. She's my she's my professional partner, um, and I know from I went to Arts Ed uh, thirteen years ago now. I believe it is. Uh, I don't do years. I just. <laughs> I did a, a second-year uh, dance project, uh, and I did the Oklahoma Ballet. Right. I took a new look at it and uh, made Will Parker and Ado Annie, these manic tap dancers, through the piece and what have you, and Kylie played Ado Annie. And I just looked and I just thought, you get it, you get it, you know. And then I did their final show, uh, and... Um, I was going to Ireland to, to do a big dance show. And I said to her, do you want to do it? And you can be my dance captain. And the following week, she'd left school and she was on a plane going to Ireland. Wow. I, was also, I was doing something here at the time, at Regent's Park, I believe. So I couldn't go. And Kylie was out there taking auditions. And this student, you know, <laughs> who just left. And she said, Bill, what do I do? I said, just do this and do that. And, you know. 
tell me what you think, and then I'll fly out and sort it out, and we'll see what's going on. And we've been together ever since, but Kylie, she gets the way I work. Because when I listen to music, I listen to the orchestration, I listen to what it's saying. Yeah. The counts at that stage are arbitrary, not interesting. I want to actually know what I'm saying to the piece. And she gets that, you know. There's a very interesting story, um, and, and I will tell it. <laughs> I, I, on Strictly, uh, I did a duet, yeah, and I did it um, last minute, on a Sunday evening, yeah, I went. I went into London and I rehearsed yeah. these two people in this duet. Uh, it's quite a famous duet, but you will never know what it is. <laughs> I choreographed it, and then on the, the Friday we were in doing camera rehearsals for the group number I'd done that week, and Kylie was working, and we were sitting watching the other numbers. And this couple came on. They danced about eight bars. She said, "You choreographed that." Wow! And she knew. <laughs> She absolutely knew that's that's the God's honest truth. And I said, she said, I know how you create. She said, and I know that's your work. That is extraordinary, but true. Mm. I got really emotional because she actually knows where I'm coming from. Mm. That's, you know. And she she allows me to do what I do, you know. Um, she doesn't want to be a choreographer. She never has, you know. She calls herself the hard drive. She actually learns everything <laughs> She learns it from from within. So when she teaches, it is so accurate, you know. And that's why, you know, we're 13 years yeah. been together. It's, it, it's interesting you talk like that because, like I said before, a lot of the creatives who've come on and, and discussed the collaboration and the importance of that almost like a, a telepathic understanding. Um, again, referring to Gareth Valentine, he said it's exactly the same feeling. It's a, a, incredibly magic when you can find someone who already knows what you're thinking before it's even come out your mouth. And they go with you. Yeah. The funny side of it is when I'm doing a duet, there's always how I end up playing the girl and she ends up playing the boy. <laughs> it always happens. Yeah. Um, and we end up laughing. And then we get to a lift and I go, well, we're going to have to change now, darling, because you can't lift me. <laughs> we break over. But no, it's a, it, it, it's a joy. Uh, and, and it's also a joy to share those experiences with someone. Yeah. Like we've been all over the world. You know, uh, two years ago, we were in um, Japan for for eight weeks. Kai was there for 10 weeks. I was there for mm. eight, putting on a production of Top Hat, which was extraordinarily brilliant. Mm. Totally sold out. We go back again in 222. Mm. Um, so that's good. And uh, But to see uh, another culture take your work uh, and do it so brilliantly and in style is absolutely incredible. Well, you know. Tokyo's a place to be. Yeah. It's an unbelievably wonderful country. I think it's it, it's also nice to see throughout all of this, and I think it's a good message for people, is uh, musical theatre sometimes gets a bad rap, 
But actually, I found that a lot of people who are doing some wonderful work are the most down to earth um, people that you will meet, people who realize how important it is to remember your history and also to remember the people who are helping you be creative because you're you're helping each other to be creative. And I think it's a myth that we're, we're trying to kind of stop the idea that it's it's all glitz and glam i mean bill i i know that you've both as a performer and a creative you will have been in digs which uh, you'd rather forget for example you know oh absolutely yes no comment um, but... <laughs> so <laughs> tell but it, go on i do get it's really interesting because you get you know people think that they come out of drama school and then they create the next lot of history hmm. it's all handed on it's all it all joy it's not separate you know um and as soon as you start to disassociate yourself with what's come bef before it, it, it ain't gonna happen yeah it's not gonna happen you know and uh, a lot of people sort of forget you know i do laugh you know top hat oh oh that's that's that old-fashioned musical oh. no it's actually a classic musical is the word i prefer to use mm. it makes me laugh it's red rag to a border i just love <laughs> old-fashioned it's not old-fashioned it's classical yeah you know because otherwise you can be looking at ballet oh that's ballet well that's old-fashioned no it's not absolutely not it's the base it's the basis of everything yeah. Yeah, well, it is exactly. So, yeah. for for Bill Deemer, what is uh, what do you hope that the future uh, holds for you? Uh, well, uh, obviously, to continue to work on wonderful productions, you know, there's some big, exciting things that are going to happen once this is over uh, in the new year. I think it'll be the end of 2021. 222, that's fine. Um, I think Dolly will be way before that, please God. Um, <laughs> and just to continue um, doing good work, I get up, I'm still, you know, I still feel like when I was at trial, I get up, I want to get up and I want to create. Mm. I want to work, you know. Um, I live in a great part of the world in Hertfordshire. I'm lucky, you know, I've got my own studio. So I've got all those things, you know. I have worked for them. They won't hand it to me. Of course. Sure. And um, and to just continue to do, it's the work. It's all about the work yeah. and what you do. And if you do that work and you do it well, the rest, you know, the rest just follows. It really does. I do miss being with theatre people. I really, this is great, just chatting. Mm. I do miss being with my chums, theatrical chums. It's tough because you bounce off of each oh, other. Oh, of course. You know, you know, and however wonderful Zoom is and all of that, it ain't the real thing. Yeah. You know. If there is a, a a young lad who is is thinking about following in your footsteps, say there, I don't know, uh, maybe 15, 16, what would your uh, words of advice be to them going forward? Be a sponge. Soak up everything you do. Soak up choreography. Soak up your lessons. Your t and, and study. Study choreographers study what they do and why they do it you know not the effect the effect just just study what they do how they go in and out of a number mm. how to, where they take it and why they take it a certain way yeah it's fascinating i was lucky that i worked with great people and i could follow that uh, and then 
but then don't copy it. Take what you need from it and make it your own. Yeah. And finally, uh, a question I ask everybody. Uh, thank you for doing this, Bill. Um, uh, what is happiness to Bill Dima? Happiness to me is being there on an opening night with a great creative team, drinking a glass of champagne and celebrating a wonderful company. There is nothing like it in the world. When you've got your own company and you've nurtured them and that creative team all stand together, it's the most wonderful thing. Behind the Pross is a podcast hosted by Buzzsprout with musical thanks to Audio Jungle and Itan Epstein Music. The artwork was by Jared Page of Stagey Pagey. And if you wish to donate to the cause, paypal.me forward slash Gary Jerry. Any inquiries about Behind the Pross podcast, please contact behindthepross at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.